0: More Mr. Collins Austen is fairly pitiless in her portrayal of Mr. Collins, and her unsparing mockery makes for some of the novel's funniest lines and scenes. Mr. Collins seems to embody the crudeness of character that disturbs her the most. Among them, a shallowness of soul, masked with strained pretensions at depth of feeling. How many times will we hear him declare himself the happiest of men? a remarkable ability to express obsequiousness self-importantly and self-importance obsequiously. His references to the patronage of Lady Catherine seem always to be one part undeserving humility, one part shameless boast. And an oblivious fatuousness that makes him always seem to say and do precisely the wrong thing. Like rebuffing Lizzie's rejection by awkwardly proclaiming her uniformly charming... Here are a few of my favorite love-to-hate-him-Mr. Collins moments from our latest chapters. There was the deceptively simple opening line from chapter 20. Though Mr. Collins's painfully awkward proposal had been declined by Lizzie multiple times, each rejection more emphatic than the last, we are reminded of his deluded self-importance when the next chapter opens dryly, Mr. Collins was not left long to the silent contemplation of his successful love. Then there was this exchange with Mrs. Bennet, in which he relates his success, and she is not so sure. This interaction highlighted the best of the worst of both of them. Mrs. Bennet, focused on her own neurotic desperation to preserve the prospect of their union, says, "'But depend upon it, Mr. Collins, that Lizzie shall be brought to reason.' I will speak to her about it directly. She is a very headstrong, foolish girl, and does not know her own interest, but I will make her know it." Mr. Collins then responds, in that exaggeratedly staid manner that masks his real anxieties, "'Pardon me for interrupting you, madam, but if she is really headstrong and foolish, I know not whether she would altogether be a very desirable wife to a man in my situation.' who, naturally, looks for happiness in the marriage state. If, therefore, she actually persists in rejecting my suit, perhaps it were better not to force her into accepting me, because, if liable to such defects of temper, she could not contribute much to my felicity." And Mrs. Bennet, always willing to bend the truth to her ambitions, backtracks, saying, Sir, you quite misunderstand me. Lizzie is only headstrong in such matters as these. In everything else, she is as good-natured a girl as ever lived, Unquote. We need not pity Mr. Collins in his rejection because the defects in his character allow him always to spin a narrative that preserves his sense of self-importance. No sooner has he become convinced of Elizabeth's sincerity in refusing him than he consoles himself that he wouldn't want her anyway. He says, quote, Resignation to inevitable evils is the duty of us all, the peculiar duty of a young man who has been so fortunate as I have been in early preferment, and I trust I am resigned. Perhaps not the less so from feeling a doubt of my positive happiness had my fair cousin honoured me with her hand. For I have often observed that resignation is never so perfect as when the blessing denied begins to lose somewhat of its value in our estimation." I laughed at how high-flown his expression is of a sentiment that really amounts to nothing more than sour grapes. His thinly-veiled resentments emerged in a way I thought especially funny when he bids his family farewell. He says, quote, As for my fair cousins, though my absence may not be long enough to render it necessary, I shall now take the liberty of wishing them health and happiness, not excepting my cousin Elizabeth, unquote. I laughed at the sheer awkwardness of his expressly including Elizabeth, and the implication that his well-wishes are some act of great magnanimity. Mr. Collins is such an unmitigated fool. So, was Charlotte right to accept his proposal? We'll move on to that question.